welcome to the Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. This is a radio program that airs every Saturday at 11 Eastern on WXOJ Valley Free Radio in Springfield, Massachusetts. And we decided to put it up as a podcast because everybody has a podcast these days. It is by theme a sports show, but we by no means limit our discussion to sports. We all have an education background. So we talk a lot about education policy and what's going on in the country right now. So we do talk a little bit of sports, but you don't have to be a sports enthusiast to enjoy it and appreciate it. So we hope you do. Thanks for listening. This is a Sports Plus show with Baker Big D and Joe. And I'm Big D. I'm here in Florence. Uh, Matt, where are you calling from? I'm calling in home. I'm, back. I'm still here in Agawam. We got Joe out there on the left coast, lost in space. In, in beautiful, no longer on fire, finally, Portland, Oregon, and, and not, not on fire from, the, from protesting. We had actual fires that were just causing tremendous problems in the air, and the air quality index was literally off the scale. The thing just goes up to 500, and we were in the 550s, 580s, but we got some rain, we got some rain the other day, and it, it kind of knocked out all that stuff out. So Portland's calm. You don't have to give us a Portland update today other than it's it's back to normal. It's beautiful. Did you guys, Daryl, did you notice the sunset a few days well, ago? Well, you know, a friend pointed it out to me and said it was smoke from California. I, I didn't buy that. Is that what you thought it was? I, I don't know. I, I did see an article from uh, the CBS affiliate out in Boston was saying that uh, a hazy looking sun due to the the smoke and uh everything from the fires out in the west coast interesting yeah i mean it it's absolutely believable daryl i mean you remember when mount st helens erupted that the ash from that floated all the way back east and i remember being in grade school in new jersey and and there being you know like a mist in the sky and i can tell you knowing firsthand how bad the air quality was out here I would absolutely believe that that's <laughs> well, over okay. a period of weeks could have, could have drifted I'll believe far. you, and then you guys have to believe me, too, because I was around when the uh, meteor hit the United the world and uh, killed the dinosaurs. So <laughs> I, I believe you guys. I, I want to hear what your conspiracy theory explanation would be. If it's not from the wildfires, what's going on out there? No, I, I you know, it's some things I'm not very observant of. And I was really <laughs> grateful that my friend pointed it out that that wasn't on. And it was a weird color. The, co- the pictures I've been getting from my son in San Diego, not, not recently, but about a week ago, were of this weird pink orange sky that you couldn't see the sun. Yeah, and it was, it was like dusk all day. I mean, it was so dim. I, you know, I usually don't need to leave lights on in my house during the day, but I had every light on in the house for, for a good week and a half all day. It was, I, and I, and you know, I've been out West for a lot, you know, most of my adult life and it keeps getting worse every year. This was by far the worst wildfire year. And it's, you know, we're four weeks, five weeks into the wildfire season. We've got another five, six weeks of this to go. So well, what was crazy, too, is I always thought Portland was soaking wet. I thought it was like <laughs> Seattle, where it rained a little bit every day. It usually does in the in the fall and winter, and we're sort of getting to the point where rainy season starts to starts to begin, and we're getting we're supposed to get three more days of rain this weekend, so hopefully that should knock Good. out some of the Good. rest of it. But now, did you have a dry summer like we did out east? We did. It hadn't rained in 
three or four months, I think, until yeah, till last pretty week. Pretty much what happened out here. Yeah. 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 All right. So, but that that's not really affecting the climate change. Is not affect in uh, what do you say? Influencing the sports scene, but certainly COVID is. So where do we start today, guys? Uh, basketball. I mean. Uh, and that's where I'd like to start. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah. How about uh, so, Daryl? Okay, we so, know we know you're a huge Celtic fan. Homer. Uh, I'm a Homer. Yeah. And, and and I'm miserable, Matt. I am miserable. If they don't win, they're down two games to none. The first game was just actually both games were heartbreakers. But the first game, you know, Jimmy Butler was just spectacular. Two steals at the end of the game that both resulted in layups. It was just, and it was made the difference in the game. Um, just spectacular. And then Tatum going in for a dunk to send the game wow, to yeah. a second overtime. And Bam Adebayo made uh, uh, just a spectacularly good block. And he said that his fingers got bent way back because um Tatum was uh you know hammering it down with what's with great strength and it was a totally clean brilliant block that actually hit the backboard and went to him so it didn't even go back to the Celtics oh oh so let me so ask you this though Daryl if they lose tonight I won't want to talk about basketball next week <laughs> so, all so, right, so I, I think I know what your answer is going to be but I have to ask it anyway, and I don't mean to to stick a dagger in your back. But <laughs> can you, while you're watching, do you appreciate what the Miami Heat are doing oh, yeah. in in this time of the NBA, where it's so, you know, star driven and the super teams and and what Miami's able to do, minus having real. I mean, they've got Jimmy Butler, but they don't really have that super team they just have a team can you have like are you able to appreciate that absolutely absolutely it's miserable but i i do <laughs> um and, and i certainly hope that if they make it to the finals that they beat uh lebron um yeah no and you know jimmy butler is a lot like the other great player Kawhi leonard mm -hmm. uh even more so though but Kawhi is both Kawhi and butler they don't they're and, and LeBron, too. I've got to give him credit. They're not like uh, Murray on Denver. They're not trying to score 50 points a game. They're trying to get their teammates going. Butler doesn't tend to shoot much until the third or fourth quarter when they really need something. Yeah, in the, in the locker room, though, those are two entirely different guys. I mean, Kawhi's, the problem with Kawhi is that he's not intense enough. And the problem with Jimmy Butler has been that he's been a little too much so. And I think it's a perfect fit having him – Working, working for Pat Riley, playing for Pat Riley, that is the perfect matchup. And I, I think I heard Pablo Torre say this the other day that when they first, when Butler first came to him, Riley went to him and said, "Look, you've got to do two things. You've got to listen to me. You've got to listen to your coach. Everything else we will we can work with." And he's, you know, you look at a guy who's been a bad fit in so many places. He is a perfect fit for this team. And I, they are. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. And the other thing is is Kawhi was looked at as a bad fit in San Diego. They, I mean, uh, San Antonio, I'm sorry. The, you know, even though he'd done very well for him, I think he helped him win a championship maybe. Yeah, um, he and Popovich didn't get along, which again, you know, right. Popovich is the same style of guy. He's a, a military background. He's, a, he's got, he runs a pretty strict organization. So I think 
you know, that the same type of environment that works great for Jimmy Butler it absolutely did not work for Kawhi Leonard. Right. And, and now, boy, oh boy, is he, you know, the Clippers getting knocked out was quite a surprise. And they, they were knocked out without, um, without much of a fight. They just, they didn't have, they've looked like the Celtics have once the Celtics got a big lead. They just sort of were going through the motions. And, you know, like what makes the Celtics good and what gives them big leads in games is tremendous passing. All of a sudden they get up 15 and they just hold the ball and dribble, dribble, dribble. The, you the almost... Celtics... Go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say the Celtics have been a little confusing. You know, the, Tatum, who is supposed to be their best player, has been kind of invisible down the stretch in both of these games where, you know, Smart and Jalen Brown have taken over. And then, you know, Smart and Brown both missed shots at the end of the game the end of right. the game too that that could have tied the game so i you know i i think the 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 celtics are confusing confusing us a little bit absolutely yeah right and they're they're also um this is kind of a big series for them if they you know if they fold and lose to miami in four or five that's that's going to really hurt their confidence because they're a young team um that's sort of on their way up and that hope to be around for a long time but and and Stevens appears to be a great coach, but at a certain time, it's like okay, let's let's win something, let's get to the finals. He doesn't make any in-game adjustments, and the thing that you know, and my dad has always said this to me that you can tell a well-coached team in football or basketball by how they do perform in the third quarter of games, and they've been right. blown out in the third quarter both of these games. Right. And that's right. That's and, when and, it's time to make adjustments and. Right. And look at, and look at Belichick and the adjustments he makes. All right, Matt, what do you have to say on basketball? So anyway, Matt, your initial question, I love Miami. I love Celtics a lot more, but if Miami's a better team so far. And the other thing that's crazy, Matt, is that Miami doesn't think they can lose to the Celtics. They they think they got the Celtics beat. Well, so it'll be interesting. I think it's, this is a mentality thing. and, And I think not having a real home court advantage playing in a bubble, I wonder if the South, I mean, the Clippers just expected to win. Um, and so, it you know. It sort of looked that way. And, and they just sort of expected, eh, we'll show up and we are the better team on paper, so we are just going to win. And, and I don't know, they, they seem to have that sort of mentality. And I'm almost seeing a little bit of that with the Celtics, where I think yeah. they just, you know, oh, we got through Toronto and now we're kind of just supposed to win. Um, but Daryl, I disagree with you a little bit, whereas I don't think if, if, even if they do, I don't think they're going to get swept, but even if they do, you know, basketball is sort of like a rite of passage sport and all the good teams in the history of the NBA have always had to overcome, you know, you always had to dethrone that team. And so, right. Good point. You know, and that was because that that was the Bulls were like, yeah, that. you know, they they had to get over the uh, the Cavaliers, and they had to get over yeah. the Pistons, and then you know, so I I don't think this is the only window for the Celtics. I think they're still trending. Uh, that's up. good, but man, I, I you know I, I'm probably like you guys when the Yankees are coming close to the series. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm so excited. And the thing is, if they lose tonight. No basketball team has ever come back from zero to d- down three to yeah, zero. So it'll be hard. This really is the game tonight. Well, it'll be uh, hard, and we'll see. I mean, Marcus Smart apparently, uh, you know, Kemba Walker hasn't um, 
acknowledged it, but apparently there was a pretty loud uh, discussion going on in the team locker room. Not, not apparently. Too. It was really true. Right? And, um, you know, reported. Marcus Smart, from Screaming, what I read. yelling, things hitting the wall. Yeah. Yep. You know, but that's without, maybe, without the crowd noise backing you up, maybe that's what they needed to really invest emotionally in this series. They, If they just thought they were going to come in and win, you know, they had two big leads. You take the foot off the gas a little bit, and here comes Miami. So maybe now they have that emotional edge. And, yeah. you know, I hope so. I, I would like to I hope so, it. too. And then the other problem they've had is that Kemba Walker, I think you referred to it, he's been subpar for him. Uh, he was a little better in the last game, but he's he has a, had a good time. And Tatum, they've somehow, their zone has, has – um, Really, they they sort of double Tatum right away and make him give it up. And so anyway, uh, yeah. And and I do agree, uh, Joe, that the Stevens has been slow to make changes. So we'll see. I have a lot of faith in Stevens and the team. So uh, let's see. I, I have two uh, basketball trade related questions for you guys. One, is it time for Boston to trade one of their? I don't want to call them the big three, but trade one of the little three and see if they can fit their team a little differently and also is the paul george trade now the worst trade in nba history seven seven <laughs> right. first round they picks and up, two they gave up all their grandkids right and all their you know all the they for generations like they don't have a first round pick now until 2024 or 2023 wow. and they gave wow. away two players that really helped oklahoma city gilgis alexander and gallinari are are solid players and they you know they were both wow. rotation players for for Oklahoma City. Yeah, so that's one of the worst trades ever. But let me I'm gonna table any self any speculation on Celtics trades to after this series is over. Fair enough. Um if if they lose the series, yeah, I think trades or something. And I like Ainge. He's a he's a risk taker. Do you bring Stevens back if they get swept by Miami? <sighs> Uh, he's under contract and honestly, uh, there's so much to like about him. He doesn't get, he doesn't get emotional. He, he doesn't get overworked. He stays calm and the team has performed pretty well. They did beautifully against Toronto. And they, you know, they are a couple made threes away from, from winning that game. And right. winning one, one, right. In which case right. this is an entirely different conversation from the one right. that we're having. I, I honestly, I think. And, I, and I, I realize I'm saying this, not a Celtic fan. I think this is kind of an overreaction of, you know, I, I, this team was not championship or bust when the season started no. or even when no. the bubble started. So, you know, I, I think they've overexceeded expectations. Right, but I mean, you could say that even more about Miami. Yeah, they, oh, sure. They yeah, weren't even, yeah. You know, they were closer to 500. They weren't, you know, the Celtics have been pretty solid all season. So it's it's interesting, and you know what? Like we're kind of making it clear that the joy of sports, the reason that we're doing this radio show, the um, appreciation of watching an event that you don't know how it's going to end, and that you're sort of at least a little bit or a lot uh, invested in. And I think that's why we're kind of happy on the air. We're not like planning our shows in advance. Let's see where they go because. There's now there's sports to talk about a month ago. It was brutal. <laughs> and now we're, we're almost overloaded. I like on Sunday, I watched 
all four major sports on last Sunday. Let's see. So football started. There's the hockey and basketball playoffs. You want hockey too? Yeah. And, and I, oh, sorry, four of my major sports, which I don't follow. Okay, what's your fourth one? Auto racing. There were three great races <laughs> on Sunday. No, and I, it's funny. I still have not watched the baseball game. But yeah, yeah, yeah. People define death. That's really it's boring. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> have you ever gone to, and been in the infield of a race? Yeah, I've uh, worked a bunch of races as a photographer, including. What does it do to your your the noise? Must be deafening. Oh yeah, you you wear hearing hearing protection for sure, and it's it is it is absolutely deafening to be on the on a racetrack when there are you know thirty cars at six hundred <laughs> horsepower. Okay, anyway. so all right, well that's a good one though, Matt. What would you list as your four major sports? Football, basketball, baseball, hockey. In in that order? Uh, is that your order? No, no. In my order would be uh, probably football, baseball, hockey, then basketball. Yeah, yeah I, I think basketball me, has has taken the the top top tier for me away from from football. But you sort of like hockey playoff hockey is a different is a different sport. So yes. I sort of put playoff yes. hockey up there in the number two spot right now. And, you know, we all agree that football is harder to watch now that we know what it does to our brains. <laughs> so let's see, I would go basketball number one, probably baseball number two, football number three, and probably hockey number four. Now, the, the, uh, can either of you guys give us an update on that? They're in the finals now. Two, I think it's Tampa Bay and Dallas. Yeah, and the, yeah. I watched a good good amount of the conference finals. And these games were were really good. And both series could have gone either way. You know, the Islanders were a bit of a surprise, but they were. You know, it was a it was a fantastic series, and just the the level of intensity. And I urge anyone out there who's not a really a hockey fan and hasn't watched the hockey playoffs, watch some of the Stanley Cup finals. There's nothing more exciting than a Stanley Cup final game seven tied in the third period. The intensity right. that those players bring to those situations is just, it's staggering. It's just nonstop action. The puck's going yes. up and down the ice. Yeah. And I will tell you, I 1,000% I agree with playoff hockey being its own sport and it has its own energy to it. You, you it's almost hard. I, I enjoy watching sports in the evening, you know, in bed, I can kind of relax, doze off a little bit. If you're watching playoff hockey, it does not matter if it's your team, you know, quote unquote, your team or not. You're sort of, I, I can't fall asleep watching playoff hockey. It's just right. back and forth. You know, and it, it's it's beautiful. And you know what I would put up there with it too would be uh, Olympic soccer when it goes into overtime. That's tremendously, that same, got that same, God, this could go on and on and on, and then all of a sudden, and just soccer is just like hockey, where goals are sometimes skillful shots and sometimes fortuitous bounces. You know, it's um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And there's and just to have that nothing, nothing or one nothing triple overtime right. Stanley Cup game. It's yeah, it's yeah, right. I, I think it is the best thing in sports. And it brings up that old joke. Um, you know, uh, a guy's at the ballpark watching the game and his uh, date shows up in the seventh inning. And so it's, what's the score? And he goes, zero, zero. And she goes, oh, I haven't missed anything. <laughs> it's baseball. You probably haven't. Yeah. <laughs> but Speaking of baseball. Speaking of baseball, the Yanks are back. Yanks are back. Big win last night over the Red Sox in, in 12 innings. Yeah, they and, 
they're almost mathematically in the playoffs. They will be in a couple more days. So it's a little bit of a sigh of relief there, but they're going to be, you know, be playing from a six or seven seed probably. Really? Yeah. They're, they're not, wait a minute. They're in second in their division. Yeah. They're fi- They're fifth in the, in the, I want to call it the conference in the league right now. Right. As things right. stand, but uh, yeah. It's, uh, okay. Now um, let me just put a little word in about the Red Sox. So the Red Sox have, two sort of almost contradictory things you can say about them. So since 2000, they've got the most championships of any uh, team. So they've had, you know, a lot of success. They're also about to finish last for the fourth time in nine years. So they're a feast or famine type of team. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Daryl. And and I was thinking the same sort of thing. Um, But, you know, what's, what's, crazy now is to think like the Yanks have just won I, I I might be wrong on this something like 13 straight games against the Red Sox yes yes and, and the Red Sox had them last night I think they had a lead going into the ninth or something like that and you know they traded away their real closer and their new closer gave it up they were yeah. the Red Sox were up for nothing going into the seventh yeah and I think it was five one in the ninth Look, the Yanks, it's one of those, Daryl, you said it before, if the Yankees can just get it into the playoffs, it does look like Major League Baseball has um, approved the playoff bubble format for baseball, which is, I think, great. Awesome. Um, So now what does that mean? Do you have any details on it? So um, the American League is going to play in Texas. Okay, like Dallas probably or – yeah, in Arlington, in, in the, Arlington, in the Arlington, Rangers Stadium, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the National League will be playing in California. I believe, I don't know what um, – San Diego? San Diego? I yeah, I think so. Whoa, that's where my son and daughter-in-law live. Maybe they'll well, be I, able to go to some games. Yeah, I don't, think they're gonna, I don't think they're going to allow any fans. I think the – Oh, okay. And the that's encouraging true. thing about the MLB is they, they had zero positive tests the last time around. And, you know, they were the league that's had the most problem so far. Right. And so actually, you know, let's, so let's sort of talk about COVID for a second. So really that's kind of impressive in baseball, right? Because – if you're, let's just say you're a Yankee. So you're a Yankee and you play your game at Yankee Stadium and then you go home to your home and you're with your family who have been out and about. Maybe your kids have been to school. Um, New York schools are about to open. So there, you're not in a bubble. Those players aren't in a bubble. So it must mean they're taking it really seriously, which is good. Right, and you have to imagine that some of their habits have changed after all these players tested mm-hmm. positive. And also, get, getting closer to the playoffs, I'm sure they're being more careful. We talked about this last week about the NASCAR playoffs starting, that a lot of drivers had adjusted their at-home behavior, knowing that it was all that much more important if they were to miss time at this point. So I, I would hope that they're being smarter, and that's why we're seeing better results. And if, if this, we can make this a transition into what's going on in college – well, hold, hold on a second. Let's, what do you have to say, Matt? No, I, I would just, I, I guess, I just kind of hope, because I do think it, it's been lifestyle changes and, and, and up to the individuals making responsible choices, and that's why baseball's been so successful. I hope as the season winds down, the teams and players who know they're not in the playoffs maintain some of those guidelines and procedures. Yeah. You know, I'm okay. But but the season's almost over. There's only like nine games left. 
Yeah, and, and so I'm I'm okay with you know teams playing that spoiler role, but I don't want it to be like, eh, yeah, I'm going to be careless, and and if I give you know a team in the playoffs COVID, I, I would hate for that to happen. I don't yeah. think it will. These guys are you know, but but one of the improvements also as a fan watching the games is the fact that they don't spit anymore. <laughs> I used to work with a great chef who and we'd go out back on our break and he just spit and spit and spit and spit. And it's like it's never been something I'm comfortable with at all. <laughs> well, and I think it would be it would be really interesting, you know, because there are no fans, I would love to see these games being played in, you know, literally like on like high school fields. You know, this, part of the draw well, of watching would the park the, itself be big enough with the with the, you know, would it be too much of a home run? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could find, you know, smaller state minor league stadiums could find, find smaller places. Part of the attraction of watching the basketball playoffs right now is that they're essentially just playing in a gym and it just sort of yeah. got to bring the players back to, to when they were, you know, in high school or play, playing AAU ball. And, and I have, I have to, to go ahead. I would say, I have to wonder if the players don't prefer playing in a bubble to their travel yeah. schedule. I mean, it's got to be, you know, the, just the travel during the playoffs is exhausting, let alone the regular season. And I yeah. think now that they can have their families with them, I would imagine they're, they're you know, there's got to be a little bit of burnout. But on, on the other hand, just not having to travel. And also the problem with fans shouting despicably racist things at players has been a, a big problem in the NBA. Are you talking about Boston years. again? Not specifically Boston, although Boston <laughs> Not is notoriously Boston, worse, but, 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 uh, but yes, I'm definitely talking about Boston, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's been a problem across the NBA. And I think for some of the players, I haven't heard any of them say it yet, but for some of the players, it's gotta be nice to not have a bunch of screaming racists, you know, six feet behind. Right. Because right. wasn't that famous malice in the palace? That was somebody running up into the, into the stands over some fan that had been abusive to him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah. you know, that was years ago. You know, I think 12, 14 years ago, and it's only got maybe more. more. I don't know. Sure. But um, yeah. So, all right. So we're about almost halfway through. So what were you going to transition to? Well, wait, one other thing I just want to say about the NBA is I like the virtual fans. I like the way they do that. It gives you a little feeling that there's some people reacting to it. Like late in that game, when they show the Celtics fan, they all look miserable. Even though the game wasn't over and it was close, they had a really ominous feeling. The size yeah. of their heads is distracting to me, though. They have <laughs> giant heads behind the playing playing. Yeah, yeah. but, but um, baseball's weird with the all the empty stadiums. It's just like it's a, a spring training meaningless game. Yeah, uh, so, well, and, so and, I, and I think we could probably agree at this point that baseball would have been better off playing in a bubble, having one league in Florida, one league in Arizona, where they have spring right. training facilities. Right. I think they thought they would be able to open these games up to fans. And right. And now. So as we're making a transition halfway through our show, the um, one of the what, did the first base football game, the Kansas City game, did that have seventeen thousand fans? I think they were going to allow up to twenty five percent capacity, and they ended up with a yeah, little so, less but, than that. But yeah. Stadium was it that game that had fans, yeah. or was it yeah, college yeah. game? Think, was that so, game? Yeah, and yeah. which to me is much more 
enjoyable to watch than the fake crowd noise, which the NFL had a notorious problem with. I don't know if you guys watch many NFL games, but it was the fake crowd noise was so bad in most of the NFL games, just deafeningly loud at certain times and, and non-existent at others. And just now the, the Patriots won their first game um, quite nicely. Newton had a good start. Um, and I think it was in Foxborough. I'm not sure. But there was nobody in the stands. I don't think there's going to be anybody in the stands in Foxborough. Is it an individual choice that the team can pick? Yeah, and it, yeah. It goes, there, because different states are at different stages of you know recovery, reopening, whatever you want to call it. So I think a lot of them have you know strict no fan requirements. A lot of them have you know twenty five percent capacity limits. It's yeah, it is going to be on a team so, by team basis. Um, Kansas City, I think I saw a, a shot of the crowd, and it looked like they had done something really cool where they had just sort of a little sections of seats around, um, you know, so that uh, people were socially distanced. You were with the group you came in with, so yeah, and I don't was, know if they they did that with tickets already sold or what, but it looked it looked like it was a pretty thoughtful way to do it. Yeah, and there was one fan that apparently tested positive, so they notified the 10 people that were in his little bubble, his little oh, section. Interesting. But, Good. I mean, that seems like, you know, it's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a reasonable assumption to make that someone in, that, in a crowd of 25,000, one of them is going to have, have the virus. Yeah, I, I think I talked about this last week. I mean, it looked responsible enough, and personally, I'm not going to go to uh, a game <laughs> no. to watch, you know, no. but um, if, if other fans want to, I, you're going to be socially distant in the, in the parking lots and in the stands, you know. Now, Joe, out in Portland, can you eat indoors in restaurants yet? I think, I don't think, I think you can only eat outdoors in restaurants. Most restaurants are just doing takeout and curbside service right now. There are bars. It's, it's odd though. You can go to a bar and drink and actually, Wait a no, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can go into a bar. Yeah, yeah, let me let me So you could have fifty or hundred people in this bar? Yeah, let me let me scratch that actually. The you can actually dine indoors because these, these bars all serve food and I've seen people inside. Weird. So there are okay. there there are capacity limits. I think it's right now it's still at twenty five percent. I know in Texas they just increased it from twenty five to seventy five percent. And I've got yeah. friends who own a restaurant in Austin who are still not going to open their dining room. They're going to continue to just do right. curbside service because that's what they feel safe doing. So in Western Mass, they've done this pretty smart thing. They've, they've blocked off parking spaces and they're allowing restaurants to set up tables on the street, which is fine for the next few weeks. <laughs> and then what's right. going to happen? So it's, and yeah. it's the same with schools. What's going to happen with schools? So, all right. <sighs> So well, where are we going now, guys? Were you you were going to change this a few minutes ago, Joe? Well, Did you yeah, have another and direction well, to go? Speaking of schools, we were talking about the the MLB players maybe making better decisions about their their COVID related behavior. We now have more than a hundred thousand college students in on more than two thousand different campuses that have tested positive. Wait a minute, say that again. A hundred. A hundred thousand college sure? students have tested positive. Wow. We've had 14 football games canceled. A lot of campuses have now sent students home after welcoming them back. And, you know, there's, we, we've talked about this before that you can't really trust a 19 year old to make good decisions right, for right. their long-term future like that. 
So right. I think this this surprises definitely. I know it surprises none of the none of us. It shouldn't surprise anyone right. that that college college campus epidemics are being becoming a problem. Well, I'm quite worried about it because my son-in-law and my daughter have moved to uh, West Lafayette, Indiana, at Purdue, run by the um, uh, unremarkable Mitch Daniels, and uh, uh, they have forty thousand students. So right now, the COVID positive tests are going up, but it's not dangerous. But it, you know, let's let's stay tuned. Um, so, so what? So what's going to happen? Is college football going to make it? The Big Ten's trying. So, Big yeah, Ten. so that's interesting. Let's talk about that decision. That's yeah. So the Big Ten decision. just came out this week, and and originally it was the. Big 10 and the Pac-12 were who were the two of the five, you know, major conferences. And, and they decided that they weren't going to play a fall football season. And now the Big 10 has sort of reversed that decision. Um, so they're going to be starting, I believe, October. And, yeah, October uh, 23rd. I, I think, think the everybody is anticipating the Big 12 to follow suit because they don't want to be the only... Well. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. So you know how originally, Matt, when you and I started the show, we had no intentions of delving into politics. (laughs) But it's so unavoidable now. Everything's connected. And so what's interesting is that the football that is open up tends to be in red states. In swing swing states, actually, in in states that are sort of, you know, the Midwest has a lot of states that could go either way in this election. Right, right. But yeah, go and continue. I think that the Pac-10 is in more liberal areas, and so I actually don't think it's going to open, no, because I, I think those people read the statistics and are worried. So it's you know it's it's there it is it's out there political uh, influence on sports. Well, you can't avoid it because because there was apparently intervention from the White House to to these pack to these Big Ten schools to get them to reconsider. And Matt, you and I were talking about this. I think before the show started that two or three weeks ago or four or five weeks ago, the conference voted unanimously to not play. And then all of a sudden they voted whatever it was 11 to three to play. Nothing changed in the last few weeks, except that call from the white house. So I think absolutely the intervention from the white house was to try to influence people. In well, those yeah. But I also wonder if they watched the first week of football and sort of, you know, that, that's kind of yeah. what I think. I mean, I do believe I, I, the White House did sort of chime in there a little bit and, and, and give their two cents. But I think I think what, you know, conferences like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were like, eh, we're not going to have a season anyway, so let's be proactive. And then once they saw that college football can be played, um, you know, and, and we can agree or disagree as to whether or not they should be or not. You right now, you just have two conferences that know their the future is going to be tough to, to come back from. If, if the Big Ten and Pac-12 don't play and every other conference plays football this year, you're not going to be able to recruit five star kids to get go to these. Um, Interesting. Yeah. You know, or you'll get transferred. So yeah, it's. I, I think it, it's unfortunate, but it, it, this is strictly money business. It is what it is. 
And, and, and that's what these conferences are. And it does put the schools in the Pac-12 at a huge disadvantage for recruiting this year. Right. If they're playing yeah, in, yeah. in, in yeah. April and May, they can't be out there right. recruiting, which is, you know, signing right. days in February. And that's when. All right. Let me ask you guys two different questions. First question. What's the only uh, school in New England playing football? Har- no, Harvard's not. Uh, I don't know. UMass is not. Uh, URI? Is URI I'll give you. I'll give you a clue. ACC. Oh, Boston College. Boston AC. College. Right. Okay, here's the second question. Tell me, and you have to pick one or the other, which organization is worse, FIFA or the NCAA? Joe, you first. Ooh. Which one's worse, FIFA well, or the NCAA? You know, this year, it, you're asking me the question right now in September 2020. I'm going to say the NCAA because they are. Yeah, I'll go kind there of, too because FIFA's sort of out of the news. Right, right. You? But but I think historically, oh, you know what? You know how much I hate the NCAA, Daryl. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with the NCAA. I know, but FIFA has historically been unbelievably but corrupt. Here's and this is what makes this is what makes the NCAA worse. The NCAA is making its billions on the backs of 19 year old yes. kids who yes. can't who, who's and that's why Ohio State's back. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Matt, who's worse, uh, FIFA or NCAA? I, I 100% agree with Joe, and I was going to say that exact same thing. I mean, they're both corrupt organizations, uh, but for me, what, what, what puts the NCAA over the top is the fact that, you know, the whole the student athlete, and there's nothing student about right. it no, that's, from, that's from like the NCAA, word, you know, they care about the athlete. athlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now what's interesting is this – you know, the COVID has done a lot to expose, say, in our society, the problem of not having universal health care and also disparity of income and, and medical, uh, uh, you know, exposure. Um, and so the, uh, the NCAA is kind of like being exposed like that uh, thing about the uh, king with no clothes on. The NCAA... They don't do anything. The only thing they handle is transfers. They can't, and, and they're allowing everybody to transfer right now. Uh, they can't, they don't have control of the playoffs. They don't have control of the schedule. They don't have control of anything. They're well, they, worthless. They do have control of the playoffs in everything other than Division One, 1A college football. They run Which all is the only other... one that counts. Which is the well, only one that counts. Well, I think the I basketball mean, honestly, tournament might – I think people might pay a little bit of attention to the basketball tournament, which the NCAA Oh, okay. Does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Run. No, I was staying just with football. And, you know, whether Williams College beats Amherst or not, most people – it's not going to be uh, usually a, a heavily viewed TV show. Well, and that's the thing. There's no money in it. Then we keep, again, keep coming back to the same theme, right. especially when it comes to college sports. And, you know, we, we could have a whole separate discussion about division three sports, at least the players at, at a division one level, especially football and basketball have a chance to become professionals. There've been, you know, literally a couple of dozen division three players that have made it to the NFL in the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. But some pretty Darryl, good no, no, I, I agree with you, Daryl, as far as it, this, the COVID situation is highlighting how little the NCAA actually does. And, and if there was ever a time for a governing body like the NCAA to make sort of, you know, like a, a unilateral decision to help these 
but they're leaving it up to individual conferences. And, and, and I think that's part of the problem too with a lot of how this COVID, all these decisions have been handled. It's like, how can one conference say it's safe to play and another conference say it's right. not, you know, like, is a virus going to float through the air and, and say, Oh, big 10 country, let's stop kind of, you know, it, it, that's not true. And so if there was ever a time when you could have the NCAA make these tough choices, you know, you would, this would have been right. it clearly. And they, see, you know, what do they do? The they make Pac 12, you know, cause they've got like Southern Cal, they've got UCLA, they've got some big time programs there. And like you say, they're, they're going to be really hurt vis-a-vis, recruiting for the other schools. So do you think they're going to cave and open too or not? I don't see it happening. I think the wildfires are going to be part of that too. I think yeah. everyone on the West coast is so preoccupied right now with the world literally being on fire that I don't think it's not a priority. I haven't heard it discussed at, you know, from any of the schools, any of the athletic directors, the conference leadership. I have not heard that suggested who knows, though, you know, in the, in the yeah, wake of the Pac-10 deciding or the Big Ten deciding to, to do that. I mean, they're kind of running out of time. It's September 19th. I mean, you'd have to. Right. No, that, that's campus, the thing. You'd have to have if a couple weeks of workouts. Open, yeah, yeah. Right. If they were going to open, I think they would have jumped right on with the uh, Big Ten. I, I think the fires are the, are the kicker there. I think without yeah, the fires, it might be. Good yeah. But now I'm, I'm interested to see how this does play out after football, meaning the money that- Okay, now what, how what plays out? How, how college athletics. College so athletics, I'm even right. talking next year, you know, during college World Series and, and softball and, you know, track and field, team sports that don't generate money, who rely on the revolving budget that football brings in, some of these conferences or even just universities that aren't generating any money right now, how, you know, are they going to be able to fund winter and spring sports? UMass is furloughing and laying off people. Yeah. And Iowa just canceled four sports just in the wake of what Matt's exactly talking about. Uh, gymnastics, yeah. men's gymnastics, swimming and diving, men's and women's and men's tennis are, no longer, you know, part of BC, who is playing football, they're swimming and diving, have a big COVID uh, outbreak on them. And, uh, and they didn't do men's soccer uh, b- because of COVID either. So, yeah, no, it's a good question. And the other thing is the only major sport that's gone off at its relatively regular time is, is professional football. And I guess you could say college football. So, but think about basketball. They're going to, you know, so it's, it's basically in the semifinals now. So that's going to take a week, week and a half for those series to finish. And then you'll have the finals. What will you be into? You'll be into October. For With, sure. Right. It's time the to season's start. The going to open up again in December. Well, it's not. I think they're not going to play until February or so. And I would absolutely not be surprised. I thought originally they were going to do December. I don't see okay. how I don't see how you I can don't do see how they were going to do that. I, I think yeah. you need at least ninety days. I think for those players to recover from the end of the season until you try right. and start a new season. And I don't think any of the players are going to complain if they play a fifty-four game schedule next year for a regular season or a forty-two. You know, play a half a schedule. Right. And I also would not be surprised if they agree to some sort of bubble situation 
maybe not necessarily one location for the whole league, but maybe four locations for the league right. where you can. No, it makes of, sense. You know, and, and maybe this will lead to baseball playing, going back to 154 games. Oh, or, or less. You know, how about, how about 60? 60 seems about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, we keep bringing up money, money, money. So BC, by agreeing to play with uh, the ACC, I think they get about $30 million from their conference, mm-hmm. and then maybe another $20 million. So they're $50 million ahead of UMass. Well, and I don't know if we can necessarily say that the college football season has has been a success. There've been fourteen games canceled so far, and that's that's a lot considering there's only a hundred and you know in the low hundreds that have been played so far. So I think we the jury's still out on on the college football season. I think we need to give this a few more weeks, and the Big Ten but will. Remember, baseball started off kind of rocky, and now it seems to be doing okay. Yeah, but are things going to get better on college campuses? and in college football locker rooms, or are they going to get worse? <laughs> See, and that's, I, I'll, I'll, I, I'm not as optimistic with college football. I actually am more optimistic with the NFL. Um, yeah. And I'm pleased to see that baseball has sort of tightened things up. I just, I, I think the NCAA, after you play a game, you're bringing those kids back on campus. And I just, right. I think it's, it's, it's to nobody's fault other than the fact that you have kids on a campus, it's kind of, I don't know how you would keep a campus clean. I, I just, I don't know. And I don't care how strictly your football team is run. Your players are partying the Saturday nights after games. Right. Every, especially, every, if they, especially if they beat Alabama. Every college yeah. football team on every college campus in the country, including BYU is getting drunk right. on Saturday night at their. And it's at not the by themselves in their room. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And so, what? Let's see, we have ten minutes left. Um, no, it is interesting. And I right. So I think pro football is looking pretty good. Baseball is looking pretty good. Basketball is looking great. Uh, college football, which is the big money sport, is in trouble. And the other thing, I would have to say that colleges are in trouble in their current format because. Like, so, for example, at UMass, UMass was going to have all the students come back, even though all the courses are going to be online. I think at Purdue, it's the same thing. All the courses are being taught online. And frankly, college kids can do all right on online as opposed to six-year-old Not me. Kids. They can do me, okay. I, I do feel, for, I couldn't learn. If I was a college kid, I couldn't sit in front of a computer and learn. I, I, I'm not... I don't have that focus. So I guess it's easier and we can get into this, the the plus part of our show today, sports plus, right? We could talk about how school's going. I've got my six year old in kindergarten sitting in front of a computer, you know, days. It's awful. And you have to be nearby. It's awful. So here's, here's how, here's my analogy of how education is going to be this year. We're being asked, to play basketball with a football. <laughs> We've been asked to play basketball. Oh, you mean teachers and schools. Teachers, like education. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, yeah. what we're being asked to do as teachers and what we're asking our students to do isn't education. If you were to play basketball with a football, it wouldn't be basketball. You can't dribble it. You can't shoot it. It doesn't go into a hoop. What we're being asked to do uh, it's, it's not 
it's not what our jobs are and what we're being at, what we're asking our kids to do is in education. It might, it just, you know, so to have to say that college kids should just all learn virtually, I don't, I don't think I could. And if my kids were college age, I don't know that I would force them to do that either. I, you know, take a year off work. I don't know, but you know, not everybody can sit in front of a computer and stay focused and take notes. Well, that that's I, where I just, college learning. I, and I went back to, to college after a 20 year break, went back as a 39 year old guy. So did I, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have the experience as a young, stupid person and as an older, wiser person. <laughs> and I, you're absolutely right, Matt, the online learning requires a different type of discipline where there's nobody you you know you have to be at that class every tuesday and thursday from 9 30 until 11 15 you're gonna right. either you're gonna be there or you're gonna be aware that you're not there the the online learning is a little different and for those of us that have attention deficit problems it to, to be trying to do schoolwork while facebook and twitter and instagram are open just a tab away is kind of difficult and you have to have your attention on the on that professor yeah and, and it's so you're sitting at home with all your computers around and you see if somebody bings you on the message and right it's i, I agree matt that it would be very challenging however motivated 20 year olds have a better opportunity to learn online than often unmotivated six-year-olds or even than a motivated six-year-old and yeah. that's where oh, I, I don't envy you, Matt, yeah. as a parent or either of you as teachers to have to try to get the, you know, kids at that age to pay attention to the right. degree that so you have I, to that's challenging the, for a 40-year-old. It's, yeah. yeah, so I have 22 kids online. And so far I've been doing, it's just one weekend, I've been doing whole class meets. And there's this one kid that immediately mm. starts playing around and the mom let me know that he's a very good student who knows what's happening, understands it, and just doesn't want to listen to me explaining it patiently to everybody, you oh. know. And and um, and so that is the that is uh, that's the challenge. Interesting well, issue. Yeah. So in, in my school district, we we are the we took on the hybrid model. And so what that means is we have two cohorts, and so cohort A is in person Monday Tuesday. And then cohort B is in person Thursday, Friday. And so we've had one. So week. your son will go into an actual classroom two he's days in, a week. Yep. He's in, in a classroom Monday and Tuesday. And then he's, he's learning on the computer Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But here, I had this thought yesterday as, as I'm sort of, I, I always am aware of, you know, kids behaviors and the psychology of all that stuff. And so it, what we're asking some of these kids to do, and I think it's tough. So the kids that are in like a cohort B that get to start their learning week at home. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they learn from home in their pajamas. They're on the couch. They're eating cereal. They're taking a break when they need it. Which they is got their dog or cat on do. their lap. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're telling our students when you're home, it's, it's at your own pace. Okay. But then when they get to school on Thursday, it's not at their own pace anymore. <laughs> and so how, you know, we're, we're asking six and seven year olds to be flexible with their schedule. And, and that's not, that's a tough spot to put these kids in. And, you know, it's only been one week, but I noticed 
behaviors were escalated and, and kids were more on edge Thursday and Friday than they were Monday, Tuesday. And, and Interesting. the only thing I can think of is, well, yeah, I mean, if I got to start my work week in my pajamas, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right. I could right. sip my coffee. I could watch the news in the morning. I'm on my couch. And then all of a sudden I had to wake up Thursday morning and now I'm in school. You know, it, it's just, it's two totally different atmospheres. And, and that's, I don't know, it, it, our kids are going to, this is going to be felt for a long time, not for just a long after time. the now, vaccine. Let me ask one more question for both uh, Massachusetts and Oregon. Do, you, do either of you two know what's happening in high school sports? Is high school football is not happening, is it? In, in Oregon, they've pushed it back to springtime. They're going to play. They cut the, the spring season into three two-month periods. They're going to play winter sports okay. in January and February, uh, fall sports in March and April, and spring sports okay. in May and June. Everyone's and going to have an eight-week season. Matt, you think that's what's happening in Massachusetts too? Yeah. Same thing in Mass, yeah. Well, that's good. All right, guys, so we have three minutes left. So what's our big conclusion? What I else? Want to, I want to mention so. one of the most interesting stories in, in sports history, and it has not gotten enough attention. Maya Moore, one of the NBA, WNBA's ah, best players, good. Took, good. took two seasons off to fight for a, a man who had been unfairly incarcerated more than 20 years ago, Jonathan Irons. She got him out of prison, and they got married last week. This is if you don't know Isn't this, that, that's cool. you don't know the story, story. Just Google Maya Moore and Jonathan Irons and read the story. This is one of the most inspirational stories, and we've had a, a pretty rough year as a nation. This is right. something that you can really, you know, and, and again, it's it's tied to to the shame of a nation of locking a guy up, an African American man up for twenty years who was unfairly convicted. But this is a, a fantastic story, and Maya Moore deserves all the exultation and all the credit in the world for what she did. And so is she back playing now or not? I, you know, I don't think she's announced what her plans are going to be. I wouldn't okay. be surprised. But she, she was she, a great player. She yeah. She a, did. Uh, she did sort of indicate that she would, you know, move back in the, in that direction in the future. I don't know whether it's going to be, they're just going into their playoff season. So if it happened, it wouldn't be till next season anyway. And who knows what their schedule is going to look like next year. You know, with all this she, stuff. she not only was one of the best players in the WNBA, you can make the argument that she was one of the best basketball players in the world. You know, all things considering, right. she was a great talent. She went to UConn. I used to follow UConn women very closely when I lived down in uh, when I was growing up in Connecticut. Um, Maya Moore, that is a great story, Joe. I'm glad you brought that up. And, and yeah, that is. I do. We, it, I, I wish we talked about it earlier because we could have gotten into some detail about it. But I, I would recommend anybody out there listening to just Google Maya Moore, and that it is an awesome story. Yeah. All right, so in our less than a minute left, uh, I'm really glad. And so maybe we should probably uh, do a little section on Maya Moore. And um, the guy's name is Jenkins, maybe? I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Irons. Uh, Jonathan, Irons. Jonathan Irons. Irons, yeah. And um, so there you go. So it's, uh, it's unknown time in sports. Football looks like it's going to happen. Go Giants. And, you know, the, the NFL is king. Um, and so uh, that sort of, and you know what? And for me as a basketball fan, I'm beginning to feel a little bit of what I consider the joy of sports. The joy of the Celtics getting into the, the round that they're in now, and then the pain of their season maybe ending tonight. Yeah. So there you go. 
Thanks a lot for listening to, make sure I get this title right, Sports Plus with Baker Big D and Joe. See you next week. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody.